This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listening land, welcome back. This is episode 54 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We're back this week. I know we're here a week. We're gone a week. We're here a week. But I told you guys we were going to kind of be doing about three episodes a month now. We got a lot going on. Steve's running his business. I'm running mine. I've got a second child on the way as well. So life is hectic to say the least. But welcome back, Steve. Congratulations. I, you broke that to me on the air. That's exciting news. When's the big arrival? I'm about two weeks out. So life is about to get a little more hectic in two weeks. So this will be the end of the road, though. So two and done. Three, I think I'd lose my mind for sure. So two is it. That's that's the end of the road. And then uh, I'll have to make a decision on uh, how I'm going to make sure that's the end of the road. So <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that decision. <laughs> yeah, it's never an easy one. But hey, we're back. We're on the mic this week. I'm sure you've had a lot going on since it's been a week or so since we've recorded. So uh, what's what's been going on with you over that time period? Well, obviously, there's the obvious, um, of course. It's been a big couple yeah. There's, of weeks, there's weeks. the obvious an election that happened. Did you hear about that? You know, there was a few people on social media that had some pretty strong opinions one way or the other. So yes, I did hear about it via that. You got, you got the memo that we we have a new president coming. A couple people might have missed that. It was kind of under the radar. No, I'm kidding here. So in my personal business, and we'll get we'll get to some of that because obviously it affects the housing market. We're going to talk about interest rates here later on, but in my personal business, there's a few things going on. First of all, you know, this was kind of cool. I mentioned this to you the other day. We're working with a new client. He was looking at some water properties. He's actually retiring. He's from Oregon. He runs a business on the East Coast. It's a government vendor. And he's kind of coming back to retire back to Oregon. He's looking at some water properties. So I got out with one of my buyer's agents. This was about three Saturdays ago started showing some properties and we were looking at some pretty cool places on the river in West Lynn and Lake Oswego. And then we went to the lake and looked at a few places there. Well, they fell in love with one of them. It's on Summit on the north side of the lake. Cool place. It's one of those that's on a high cliff overlooking the lake. So it's got a really cool, majestic view. As we were in the property, we were there quite a while and they were really bonding with it, liking it. We noticed in a few different places throughout the house, the same book. And it was Phil Knight's book, one of his, I think it's I think it's called Shoe Dog or something like that, but I could be mistaken. And somebody made a comment, one of the clients said, oh, I wonder if it's a Nike executive that owns this. It was just kind of a comment in passing. Well, we left there, we looked at a couple more places, they decided they wanted to write an offer. So Patty Waddell, my one of my buyer's specialists, she goes back and she starts writing the offer. She texts me the tax records and title is held in the name Philip Knight and Nike. Wow. <laughs> Which really, really surprised me. I would have assumed, you know, there would be an LLC that a lot of times when higher profile people like that have a property, they, they they'll put in the name of an LLC just as a layer of to shield their name and, and just kind of keep things private. Not sure. Well, actually, now we do know what it, the property was for. So there was actually a couple different offers on the house. We went in all cash, quick close, actually had an escalation clause, got the offer accepted. 
if you recall, this was three weeks ago. Since then, we've done inspections. We've negotiated those. It was kind of funny. We made the offer. There was two other offers in. And, you know, we put our normal deadline of a few days. Listing agent comes back and she said, my seller's out of town for a week and will not, is unable to respond. And we kind of just chuckled to ourselves and we're like, yeah, that's what you get when a billionaire is a multi, multi-billionaire. I actually looked up his net worth. It's about $23 billion. So that's what you get when a, a multi, multi-billionaire is, is looking at a piddly $1.7 million sale. Right, right. Yeah, they don't have a priority uh... in, their, in their schedule. But we got the offer accepted. We've negotiated everything. It's actually closing tomorrow. The transaction has gone incredibly smooth. In fact, the listing agents commented that her seller has been pleased with the process and has enjoyed working with our team. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's not something that happens too often. What was the house used for? Was Obviously, Phil wasn't living there. So we did. We found that out. We assumed early on. And we, no, Phil's never lived there. We assumed early on that it was executive housing, and we were wrong. It was actually cooler than that. At the inspection, Phil's contractor was there. He told us that they used it for Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and other high-profile athletes who would come to town to visit Nike. They didn't want to put them up in a hotel where they'd be mobbed and, you know, and have a lot of notoriety. So they would put them in this quiet, well-decorated and staged property and it kind of kept them a little under the radar. So that was even another cooler aspect to this property. So really cool. Moving from there, we had an interesting incident with an appraisal here in the last week. It's about maddening. So when you um, say interesting, you mean interesting and you want to stab in somebody really, in the eye really with a pencil. In a really bad way. In a yeah. really, really bad way. And I think it's, I think it goes against all the protections that have been put in place in the last seven years. Many of them, which I think there's some bad, and then I think there's some good protections that have been placed when you talk about like Dodd-Frank and other regulations that have come in place. There clearly has been an oversight or an unintended consequence that is now gouging the public. We had an appraisal on one of our listings with a lender that we work with. We'd got past all our contingencies, our inspections. They ordered the appraisal. The appraiser wasn't picking it up. Appraiser, No appraiser was picking it up. It was stuck at the AMC. Week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. Suddenly, the lender's freaking out, and they're saying, what do we got to do to get this picked up? Guess, Tucker, the dollar amount, the rush fee is on this one. I'm guessing like somewhere in the fifteen hundred range. Three thousand. Oh. oh. Three thousand dollars. In fact, what happened I heard from the lender was they said, What if we give you twenty five hundred? And they said, We'll do it for three thousand. Now, for that three thousand dollars, they not only picked it up right away, but they also agreed to turn it in like four days. But to me, that's just egregious. I mean, here all the regulations that have been put in place to control the costs on the mortgage side of the business. And you have this egregious gouging of the public. Now, I think in this case, the lender was picking up most or all of that cost. But that's still, I mean, if it affects the lender, it's going to ultimately affect the bottom line of the consumer. So clearly something is not quite right in that industry right now. And all the protections that have been put in place to protect the consumer are missing an element of something that's hurting the consumer. So uh, that was really frustrating to see happen. Just out um, of curiosity, was the house, where was it located? Was it on the outskirts somewhere? It was nothing out of the norm. It was really? in town. It was an average house. Wow. 
We couldn't figure this one out. We could not figure this one out. Yeah, that was my, that would be a logical assumption. Maybe it's a funky rural property. Nobody wants it. It's going to take more time or more effort, but that was absolutely not the case. So you're telling me that politicians in Washington that aren't actually in our business every day, making rules to protect people that they don't really understand might backfire from time to time. It very, very easily could. Very easily could. Just just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. And then uh, another thing that we've been noticing, you know, we, we had a meeting, a buyer's meeting here on Tuesday. One of my agents brought it up. She said, you know, a lot of buyers are asking, is this market heated? Is it a bad time to buy? And so we kind of talked about it and we, we, you know, we talked about best responses to that. And, and we're going to talk about this later. But I think the best answer there is not to say, oh, oh my gosh, no, everything's great and everything's going to keep going up. I think that's that's a disservice to the client. And I think it also can come across as not having their genuine interest in mind. So, you know, what we talked about was saying, look, it could be we've had a good run here for five years and there could be a correction. You know, and, you know, I've talked a lot about this on the show. I mean, checks have been in place. The people out there do qualify for their homes, So it's not going to be a massive correction like we saw 10 years ago. But the one thing that we can be sure of, even if there is a correction, is that interest rates have been and continue to be very low, especially relatively low. But we see that changing, and, and that is going to change, in my opinion, dramatically here in the, in the near future. And so, especially when we're talking about an owner-occupied person that's going to live in the house for, you know, six, seven plus years, regardless of the price they pay, even if it's slightly, if there is a slight correction, the amount that they finance in that payment with current interest rates in respect to you know a future interest rate that's a percent higher can be monumental so i guess to my point is that's a conversation that i think a lot of our listeners need to be ready for we're starting to see it more and more and i think it's just a good it's some good scripting to be practiced and ready for as it comes up one last thing i'll say on the brokerage side we have an employee offsite tomorrow we're actually shutting down all of our offices and all our company employees are coming with us. We're going to McMinniman's Edgefield. We did this last year. I think I talked about it on the show, in fact. And this is kind of an annual thing we do. We have a big room reserved. We're going to all get together. We kind of have the format we like to do is all the employees introduce themselves, mention how long they've been with PPG, talk about you know the things they like with the job. Then we break out into the executives kind of talking about some goal planning for 2017, the things that we've done in 2016. We, of course, then have lunch. And then and then we're going to do kind of some goal planning breakout session where the different employees get together, talk about some ideas for improvement for the company, both cost savings, ways to generate revenue, and then, of course, just systems and best services for our agents and then we all get together and kind of share those ideas amongst ourselves. So it's something we're really excited for. And then, of course, we're at McMinniman's Edgefield. And around the time we wind that down, around two or three, we, we go out there and have dinner, have some fun, and get to spend some time together. So that's happening tomorrow. Really excited for that. It's an annual event that I really enjoy. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Our uh, our company off-site this past week was at the Blazer game where uh, we saw you in passing, where we took a lot of the guys that work for us here. So that was that was our off-site. Not, cool, not much yeah. business talk, but just a lot of heckling and, you know, a little bit of beveraging. So. Yeah, yeah. Sounds fun. 
Well, it sounds like you got you had a lot going on that, you know, occasionally you run across some local celebrity houses, you know, whether you know it or not, right, that you're selling. And um, it's interesting that that house in Lake Oswego that uh, Nike owned, that they they put up, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Tiger Woods of the world, uh, kind of a, a quiet, secluded, but amazing view type property, which um, is interesting because we're actually in the process of, of building one uh, just like that off of Upper Drive that um, we've been working on forever and we're we're now getting the initial groundwork going uh, that needed to happen prior to actually building the house because we had to build out a, a new storm system to take all the uh, water off site of the lot. But it's it's an amazing property that we're going to start probably breaking ground on sometime uh, in 2007, early 2017, maybe mid 2017. But it's a uh, it's a really cool property. And, and we're going to do probably something similar to that. I haven't decided that we're actually going to sell this. I might keep it and run it as type of a, almost like an Airbnb for like higher end clientele, just because I, I love the lot so much. And at the property, we're going to put an infinity pool in the back and it'll be like the ultimate, you know, it overlooks the entire lake. Um, it's a flat lot. It's great. It's, it's just an amazing piece of property. So what street is it on Tucker? It's on Overlook? Upper Drive. So upper, it, upper. it's on the lakeside and um, wow. we've owned the lot for a couple of years now. And um, I don't know that once we build the house, I'm going to want to part with it. And, you know, having the ability to do an Airbnb type rental with it um, to higher end clientele obviously would generate a lot more revenue, you know, rental income wise than just renting it on a, a standardized lease. So it might be something that we do. It, it would help make it make sense to retain it as opposed to, to selling it. Because if we just rent it, you know, the amount of capital we have vested in that house, it just doesn't doesn't begin to yeah. at all. But um, does Lake Oswego have stipulations on Airbnbs like we've talked about in Bend? Um, not that I've found, but it's an interesting conversation because, so we have our townhome project in first edition as well. And, and we actually are, um, just about to go pending on one of the units that uh, are still about, I don't know, three months or so away from completion. And the individual who's buying one of them, um, I actually ha have had a long conversation with them about the fact that I wasn't going to sell to anybody who was going to Airbnb one of those units, um, because there's two townhomes and they're attached to each other. And so, you know, the downside of Airbnb is that you can't really control the quality of tenant and there's a lot of turnover. And especially if you're in a multi-unit complex, maybe a smaller complex, bigger, it's different, but a smaller multi-unit complex, and this is only two units. When you have one person that's owner-occupied on one side and you have an Airbnb on the other with people constantly coming and going, there could be a lot of annoyance. It doesn't really add to the community factor, the neighborly factor um, that I think a lot of people would want to see where our townhome project is located right there in first edition. So, uh, you know, I'm for Airbnb in a lot of ways, but very much against it in other ways when I just don't think it fits for, you know, the neighborhood or the property or, or whatever it is you're trying to do. So mm -hmm. I think some people lately have gotten clouded on the money you can make from Airbnb and mm -hmm. not made more of a, a moral decision first in terms of whether or not, you know, you should be utilizing that as a way to, you know, have sh a short-term rental versus having longer-term better tenants in there if you're going to use it as a rental property. So, yeah, but, no, I can see that. Absolutely. In, in that case, that example that you use. Yeah. Interesting conversation though, because I know Airbnb is, you know, it's a big thing these days because you can make a lot more money renting out your property, especially if they're in desirable areas or destination type areas for sure. Yeah. So, we've had a lot of clients call over, over the past I'd say two years that they start out that way. And I can't say definitively that we've actually closed one where that was purely their objective, but we definitely have had a lot of opening conversations where that's, I think it's, it starts out on paper to be a far better idea than once people start peeling back the layers, you know, for the average person in the average. Yeah. Location. 
Yeah. If you're not in real estate, you know, now all of a sudden you're a high frequency property manager, right? Yeah. Which most people yeah. are not going to be good at. And, you know, like you said, once you start peeling back the layers, you go, eh, I don't know that I really want to play this game. You know, the money yeah. sounds good, but I don't want to play the game. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it yourself. It's You're not just a property manager. We've talked about the challenges and the difficulties of being a property manager. Manager, I like the, the term you used. You're a high frequency property manager. You're you're getting tenants weekly, almost sometimes daily. I mean, you know, on, on very regularly. So and, and you're going through that sped up process there. So, yeah, there's a lot to it. There's cleaning the, the properties and there's and if the average person out there thinks the average tenant can be harmful to a property. Imagine someone that's there for five days, you know, if not carefully screened and, and, and the proper protections in place. So, yeah, yeah, it just they're, you know, for lack of a better term, their give a shit factor is much lower than somebody that's a longer term <laughs> resident, you know. So, yeah, that's just exactly. the way it is. It's the way we are. But but other than that, um, a little uh, update. I was kind of complaining about our little fence issue on the last show um, in Lake Oswego. And lo and behold, I don't know if it was because of my complaining or it just is completely random but on the uh, 6th of this next month uh, city council is going to vote to lower the fee dramatically to apply for a variance to your fence height so it no makes way. it yeah it totally i i can't tell you whether it's squeaky wheel gets attention or whether or not it's just totally random but i'll keep you posted on how that goes but as long as that happens it becomes a much more reasonable uh route to actually apply for what is a fairly ridiculous variance but it, it becomes a much more reasonable process so in the end, it'll probably all work out as it always does. But Cool. We'll keep us posted. Yeah, and then uh, we've got a really cool renovation going on right now. We do mainly new construction, of course, these days, but occasionally we'll pop in a renovation, and we've got a really cool one going in um, uh, the Foster Powell neighborhood. And um, it was actually, it's a double lot, but the agreement was with the old owner that we won't knock it down and build two houses in its place because it's a, it's a 6,500 square foot lot. It's zoned R2.5, so it could easily be split. And you could build essentially two skinny houses, which most builders would do. We agreed not to because the house that was there is a 1910 home, which sounds old, and it is. It's very old. But it's got great bones. It's got that classic old Portland look. And it's got a big enough footprint that it'll be about 2,200 square feet, 2,300 square feet when we're done. Um, and it'll be very open. And it'll ha it'll feel a lot like uh, the positive side of what new construction offers in terms of open floor plans, bigger rooms, things like that. So we gutted the whole thing out. And we're putting it back together. And it, it's going to be a really, really cool house. And it's right in the Foster Pound neighborhood. So we're Probably going to be done with that sometime in January, but it's shaping up to be a really cool project. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. What's your price point on that? We're thinking it'll probably be in the 449 range, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So pretty for Southeast these days for basically new construction of an older home mm -hmm. uh, on a big lot. You know, it's a good deal. So for yeah. sure. No, that sounds good. I think oh. you'll do well with that. Yeah. And then finally, just kind of wrap up personal business stuff. I had a long talk yesterday. I, I've mentioned this on the show before. We've been romanced by countless production companies over the years who want us to do TV in some form or fashion because they want to they want to fit us inside the box of what the production companies and the networks think that, you know, house flipping or real estate investing looks like. And I've kind of pushed back and not wanted to put us on the map being inside that box that they want you to be in because we're not that's not what we do and it's not the way that i want our company painted well i had a long talk with a production company yesterday out of sacramento 
And they might be up for kind of an outside-the-box idea, which I think could be a really cool show. So I'll keep you posted, but I think they're going to fly up here in January sometime and um, meet us in person and kind of check out the operation and, and see if we can come to a meeting of the minds in terms of the type of show that can be shot. So we'll keep you posted. Very cool. Very, very cool. So that's pretty much what's going on with me. I know we've got some uh, topics that uh, we want to talk about. I'll let you kick it off because... Uh, like you said, we did have an election this past couple of weeks that uh, unless you lived under a rock, you probably heard more than you ever want to hear about an election again. <laughs> about. <laughs> but uh, you had a topic that you want to discuss, not getting political in terms of sides, but just oh my gosh. how to conduct <clears throat> actually, yourself as a professional. When yeah, actually, my first the first thing I'm going to talk about is the importance. I mean, this is, you know, our listeners are real, are real estate professionals, and I'd say mostly realtors. And. I just want to speak to our our listener base and just you know give them a a little word of advice. Having witnessed the past ten days and and probably the most outrageous backlash and wave of negativity on Facebook and social media I've ever seen, just really the darkest side of of the actual tool that it is. My encouragement to all agents is this, and and I think some you know larger companies and obviously as agents we're all independently, we're all independent contractors, so no one's ever going to tell us what to do, and you know in most cases our companies aren't going to say hey do this or don't do this on social media, but really the politics this time around have been so polarizing, people are on such opposite ends of the spectrum in such a hostile manner that. Any comments, and, and I've seen this time and time again, and I, I personally don't get political and stay very close in the middle in these regards, but regardless of how somebody feels, I just think it's it behooves them to, to think twice about jumping into those conversations on social media on either side, because for the one or two high fives you're going to get from somebody that feels the same way as yourself. The, vir- the virtual high five comes with a yeah. virtual middle finger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get just as many that loathe you on the other side. And as real estate professionals, most of us have clients. We have, you know, we obviously have friends. We have family members that, that are there as our, as our contacts on social media. So it's just a best practice to lay low and, and not get involved in that mess. You know, there are a lot of people out there with professions that it doesn't matter. You know, they they can they can get right there in the middle and they can say I'm pro this person or I'm pro that person. And I'll tell you right now, watching social media, the arguments aren't going to win anybody over. I have yet to see somebody go, "Well, I'm pro this person, let me tell you why." And somebody who was polar opposite on the other side of the fence goes, "By golly, you're right. I was wrong." I'm jumping over to your side. I mean, that doesn't happen. So really, it's a lose-lose proposition to get out there and to make those cases for your side, alienate the 50% or possibly more on the other side, and really have no benefits from that. In our business anyway, especially where our livelihood is dependent on people you know, people having goodwill towards us. That's, I mean, there's no simpler way to say that. I mean, we... We are in the business of people signing up to work with us, and and if you alienate them, that's just not going to happen. So I even saw a really good agent who's actually a broker owner of another company, 
I won't say his name. And he he didn't say anything wrong. This was the day after the election, Tucker. He didn't say anything wrong. I, I he he put a very neutral comment out there. He said, you know, whether Hillary won or Donald won, my life was going to be very much the same today. So something along those lines. Right. All of a sudden, the thread just went nuts. And with negativity, and that's that's a big part of this conversation is why do you want that negativity on your thread, right? Somebody jumps in and goes, "Well, you're white, of course your life's going to be normal." And then you know, and then it goes from there. And somebody it else just attacks, yeah. And then somebody attacks that person. It's just been a. It's been obviously it's been very very dramatic. I mean, we literally had rioting in the streets of our city. So it's just it's just best practice in my opinion and. And, you know, I've shared this with a lot of other people, and I thought I'd talk about it here. From a business standpoint, it's just best practice to toe the line, keep your head down, probably keep quiet on things. I know it's tempting. I know there's a lot of idiots with stupid comments out there that you just you, you cringe and you're like, how can you think that? But you're not going to win in that debate. There is no winning in that debate. So that's what I was going to say about that. So. Clearly, having said that, we're not going to get into the to the politics of things. I will say, you know, in the aftermath, how does this affect real estate? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Interest rates are up. They're up quite a bit. They're actually up about or half a percent yeah, since the election. So just, uh, you know, the, the week and a half since the election, interest rates are up. That's not a bad thing for the economy. I mean, the reason interest rates are up is because the belief on Wall Street and in the bond market is that Donald Trump is going to aggressively stimulate the economy with some infrastructure spending, which interestingly enough, Obama tried to do when he came into office, he he wanted to do a big, big spend on infrastructure and he got shot down by the House and the Senate, one or both, I'm not sure which. But now that Donald Trump is saying he wants to do that, and, and clearly the Republicans have control of both houses, then there is a high likelihood that's going to happen. Well, when infrastructure spending comes into play, money is borrowed, money hits the economy, inflation turns up. Inflation is the arch enemy. This is a mortgage interest rates 101. The arch enemy of mortgage rates is inflation. If inflation kicks up to two, three, four percent, you cannot be loaning money at the same rate. So we are starting to see that. I think, I mean, I mean and, and I don't think anyone's going to sit here and tell us that it did, wasn't going to happen at some point or that we didn't actually get lucky by not having it happen much, much sooner. So I think the new normal could be higher interest rates. and And this could just be the beginning. I think it's very, very possible we could find ourselves in the five percent range. Heaven forbid! It sounds funny to think, talk about I that, know, like a high interest rate. I still um, remember back when we were in the mortgage business, the day they finally came down and hit five percent, and we had like a sales meeting that morning, and everybody was doing cart, you know, cartwheels and backflips, and call your pipeline to hit five percent, you know. And now. now you say it, and uh, people are like, "Oh, five percent! Oh my God!" You know. Yeah. So, it's yeah. interesting how times have changed. Yeah, and maybe it goes up to 6%. But the reality is, though, I mean, we have a housing market. That will have absolutely affect the housing market. There's no there's no two ways about it. We have a housing market where prices are based on current interest rates. So as they start to go up, it will slow things down. 
here's the good news. This plays back to my comments about my frustration with the appraisal process. That will quickly dry up refinances. And, you know, as most of our listeners know, whether you're buying a house or you're refinancing it, you still need an appraisal. So if half of the appraisal orders out there, just to pull a number out of thin air, I'm not going to say that's really what it was, but or if 40% or 30% of appraisal orders were for refinances and those drop off a cliff almost overnight, then that will free up some capacity for appraisals, which will be good for us in the real estate game who, who weren't benefiting from those refinances. I did see, actually, when I was researching this, mortgage applications fell 9% last week, and that was on purchases and 11% on refinances. So it will dramatically affect the housing market. Now, there is a plus to that. When you talk about interest rates going up because the economy is getting stimulated, the other side of that is there's more money in the economy and there's there's people doing well in that regard. So th- there is a little counterbalance to that component. On the plus side, I'm mean, sorry to cut you off, but you know you were talking about your sales meeting with your um, buyer's agents. If you go out and you get a mortgage, right, and it's at three and a half percent and we have inflation and, you know, that kicks in, you're paying off debt w- at a much cheaper rate than you were when you took the loan. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Right. So you're, let's say your payment's a thousand bucks a month, right? Well, today in a thousand dollars, if we have inflation moving forward, that same thousand dollars, you know, it takes, you know, 1500 is worth a thousand, right? So it's you're paying it off with less money essentially even though the the dollar figure that you're paying isn't going to change so hopefully that makes sense but so if you can lock in those lower rates now and you're paying oh, off that that long-term fixed interest rate that payment stays the same as inflation increases you're actually paying less towards the debt that you're paying off over time so I think that goes to the point that you're making, you know, in your buyer's meeting, which is, yeah, you don't want to tell people, hey, it's amazing. Everything's going to go up forever because, as we know, that doesn't happen. Uh, But uh, at the same time, financing is a big component of value. And it's also, you know, a big component to affordability. And so as time goes on, if you can lock in an incredibly low rate, because I don't think we're ever going to see rates this low again. I just don't think we are. I mean, it's if we do, it's going to be a, you know, a long time off or it, it might be within the ballpark of, but still, it's not going to be as low as they are. And so I think that's a big factor. And um, it should be a big reason that if people are looking to buy a place that they're going to be at for, I think the average homeowner lives in a house for seven years, that amount of time or more it's a great time to buy a house still, especially now that we're in the down season, right? We're in the, you know, the holiday season. It's a, there's a little less activity out there. You've got a little more um, to pick from and you got a little less to fight against. So I, I think that that's, you make some good points there. Yeah. I mean, what's your post-election take on things? Have you, have you, what's your scuttlebug that you're hearing out there? Are you thinking? I look at things very black and white in terms of financial things, right? That drive the economy, the housing market, Uh, consumer spending, um, all those things are tied together. And so the biggest thing for me uh, moving forward is, you know, the tax plan that that Trump has put in place, Um, whether you agree with him being president or not, it's irrelevant to this conversation. I'm just talking purely about the, the tax plan that he has in place compared to what it is now. And so right now, if you're making, well, basically, let me just tell you what it's going to be. And it's significantly less tax-wise, liability-wise for most Americans. So if you're in a household that makes between $10,000 and $74,999 a year, your federal tax rate is going to be 12%, which as you move up 
beyond 10,000 and up closer to 75, that tax rate right now is significantly more. So the majority of that window of income is getting a 50% tax cut in terms of what they're paying now. And so that's huge, right? That's a lot more money that the meat and potatoes households in terms of income, household income, it's a lot more money that they have to use for consumer spending, for housing, for buying their kids shoes, education, food, vacation, all those things. And so that I think is very important. And so I'm glad to see that, you know, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, but you know, the biggest um, decrease in, in, you know, taxable percentage wise is going to happen for that segment of society, which is which is huge. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, because that's also the segment that, you know, after you start making a lot more money, every dollar that you make, you know, the the value of that dollar isn't nearly as much as the any dollar over 50,000, right? Any dollar over $500,000 you make isn't nearly as valuable to you as any dollar over 50,000. And so because you're, you're just you're making discretionary income at that point. Some there comes a point where you're just making discretionary income that you that that you either are investing or buying nice things with. Whereas the people making seventy five or less, that's that's money they got to live off of. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm with you exactly. And so I really think that that is going to have a positive impact um, on our economy. And um, you know, ultimately, if consumer confidence remains solid, you know, that helps feed into the real estate market remaining solid because, you know, consumer confidence plays. Sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not when it wavers. Uh, but as long as it stays strong, you know, that just like markets, right? The, the stock markets go a lot on emotion and, and so do other markets and it's through consumer confidence. So to me, that's a big thing. We'll see if it gets implemented. I know we've got a lot of headwinds in terms of, uh, of the amount of debt that we're carrying as a nation. And if interest rates go up, um, and some of those, you know, bonds roll over and we have to re-up them at a higher rate, we're going to run into some revenue problems as a country to service the debt that we already have. So there's a lot of challenges in place there in order to cut some of our revenue through tax cuts um, for the country overall. But if we can do that, I think that that bodes well for our economy and I think it bodes well for the real estate market. Trump will just file a chapter 11 for the company <laughs> that might create world war three if it if we file that for our country given how many debt holders he are knows his way through that program but yeah anyways but i'm optimistic moving. you know I, i'm optimistic overall in terms of where we're going i obviously the market is cyclical right if what goes up must come down that's what the real estate market is but um you know i i feel like 2017 is gonna we're not gonna fall off a cliff um, and that kind of leads me into the the next thing that I want to talk about and we can chat about really quickly before we wrap up. But um, there was an article uh, in the Portland Tribune that was pretty much all about the 2017 housing forecast that uh, w- happened at the convention center a couple weeks ago. And you, I've been to that event for the last, I don't know, four or five years, but I, I took this year off. Um, but I did read up on what the um, article said and all of the talking heads at that event seem to think or those that they give you know credibility in terms of knowing what's going to happen in the market they all seem to think that at least locally here in portland that we're going to have upward pressure on prices continually through 2017 um, mainly because of of supply um, and, and demand forces which is essentially more people moving here not a whole lot of stuff for sale um, as well as the fact that there's you know a lot of costs um, associated with building new, um, you know, housing stock here in Portland, our, our, our 
you know, our SDC charges, uh, which is basically, you know, the charges that you have to pay the city in order to build a new home are just astronomical. And so that's not going to get cut anytime soon. And you've got, a, you know, a lot of people that are looking for housing here and you have limited supply on top of it. So layering those things together, you know, uh, construction costs aren't going down at all. Permit costs aren't going down at all. And you've got, you know, not a whole lot for people to choose from. And you got a whole lot of people that want to buy. You know, it varies depending on the season. But overall, you know, they see the trajectory is continuing to go up. So interesting. I don't know what your take is on that, but that was what the uh, talking heads, you know, concluded at the uh, housing forecast. Yeah. I mean, that was before the election, clearly. And it will be interesting to see what role interest rates play into that. It will. uh, Because I think that could. That could really soften that component. If they jump up, I mean, we're up half percent. That changed every house out there's mortgage payment on average of, oh, I don't know, Tucker, I'm guessing, but a hundred bucks per, you know, per couple hundred thousand. So if that number, that percentage goes up, in fact, you know, one site that I read put it this way. They said interest rates have gone up 10%, right? If interest rates are at, you know, almost 4% or, you know, they're at three and a half percent and they go up to 4%. You've gone up over 10%. So you've almost in some way raised prices that amount. So if that continues, I think we can, I think the market can easily absorb half percent interest rate hike. In fact, to put it into perspective, just so people don't freak out, we were at the levels we're at now at the beginning of 2016. Right. In January of 2016, we were at around 4%. We're now again at 4%. We had dropped much lower. If you recall, a lot of that had to do with Brexit back in the summertime. So we're back there. But if that continues and, you know, we're sitting here a month or two from now and we're up another half percent or even more, I would wonder how that would, would affect pricing. And, and I'm not even saying I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad. I don't think it would be terrible if prices kind of, you know, plateaued a little bit, flattened out a little bit. Demand in refis and and some of the capacity in in the system was opened up a little bit. I think that could be really good for a lot of real estate professionals. I think the system, you know, opening up bandwidth in the system is a big thing because that's a problem, right? I mean, paying 3,000 bucks for an appraisal (laughs) is insane. I mean, and I know we've had appraisers on the show. Craig, I'm sure you're, you know, happy as happy gets, you know, in terms of that. And I understand that. But the reality is, is that for a normal house in the city, cookie cutter type, you know, appraisal report, that's insane. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, if rates continue to go up, refinances dry up, it'll free that part of the system up a little bit. You know, and I think you're right, too. The, the the market can absorb a half percent increase in interest rate. But where is the point where the market can no longer absorb? Right. So it's got to give there, there's an affordability aspect that either it hits it with price or it hits it with what your debt servicing payments are. And that's driven by interest rate. So mm-hmm. what's it going to be and where is that point where the market says uncle? You know, and so that that remains to be seen. But as we do future shows, we'll figure that out. I would say I'll just throw this out there. I think it's it's at five percent. I think when we start getting close to five percent, which is, I'd have to look at a chart. I haven't done this in a while, but I I would venture we haven't been at five percent in seven eight years, right? Something like that. So we start to hit levels like that. I, I definitely start to think it causes some some softening in the in the market. Yeah, I, and I and I tend to agree with you for sure. So. We'll see where it goes, but um, I think we covered quite a bit of ground on this week's show. 
we've obviously got the MLS action report out, but we'll probably cover that on the next show and uh, kind of compare and contrast with what's happened in interest rates since then and kind of figure out where we think things are continuing to head. So before we get out of here, any any parting thoughts, any words of advice no. for those that want to post one way or the other on their political views? On Be safe on Facebook, people. Be safe on Facebook. Man, I just, I just want to open my Facebook feed and see like a little a flower or, you know, a daisy or a butterfly or something. No, no more of the scathing political posts, please. I think we have another couple weeks of it uh, before you see those flowers or butterflies, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully everybody yeah. takes your advice that's in the real estate sales business and just bows out or agrees to disagree, we'll say. Agree to disagree. That's the that's the yeah, core of the well, show. And, and even think of it beyond business. Think of it you know, as our a social obligation. As people are running around amok causing riots in the city, I mean – is it in everybody's best interest to poke the bear and cause polarizing debates on Facebook that only that only you know exacerbate the situation, or as leaders in our community, as as you know professionals, leaders in our community, is it just a good best practice to just lay low, let things blow over, and and have your debates quietly in person? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> or and I will it. say, contrary to popular belief these days you know i have friends and do business with people that are both republican and democrats so you can very much coexist in a happy happy joy joy way and uh, i think that people have forgotten that and so i think it's important to remind them yeah i agree i agree there you have it cool well there's the parting words of wisdom for this week's show but that'll wrap up this week we may be back well next week's a holiday week we'll be back as soon as we can get back to the microphone and we'll have another great show for you guys but until then we'll see you guys next time Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.